Greetings, you're on Deep Background for September 7th, 2017. Uh, we're a day late today uh, because we wanted to wait until the Kansas City International Airport terminal story became more clear, which it did on Wednesday. Joining me is Steve Bockrod of The Star to talk about that decision and what we've learned and what we think we still need to learn. Steve, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, so uh, for all the summer of, uh, of uh, accusation and press release and rally and uh, surreptitious phone calls, um, we reached a decision that was surprising. Right or not right? Well, surprising. First, we, let's tell everybody, Edgemore Infrastructure and Real Estate of Bethesda, Maryland, was picked as the preferred bidder. Right, proposal so, for the Kansas City International Airport project. Yeah, and real quick, uh, Ed, Edgemore is a subsidiary or an affiliate of Clark Construction Company, uh, also based in Bethesda, which is a large construction concern. They do about $4 billion in sales a year, which uh, is about twice what Burns and McDonald makes. But, um, so th- to, but to get back to your original question, it is a surprise and it is not. It is a surprise from the standpoint that Uh, Edgemore kept very quiet in this process. They did not release their proposal publicly, um, and they have since uh, uh, last night they released it, and uh, we can talk a bit more about that later. But, you know, leading up to the presentations and afterwards, they made very little comment, uh, did not go into specifics about their plan. Not a high public profile in in any way. Not at all, no. Uh, You know, no flashy marketing, no uh, public campaigning, if you will. And... So in that sense, you know, I think the conventional wisdom had been, you know, hey, maybe Burns and McDonald and AECOM uh, were the leading or presumptive leading candidates for this thing because you got Burns McDonald uh, playing off its hometown credentials, and then you've got AECOM, which is one of the largest uh, companies in this business, uh, this aviation construction design business. Um, as last week wore on, I think it became more clear uh, or, or it started to seep into people's minds that it was possible that Edgemore could be the uh, could get the nod for this. Could, um, could be emerging from the process. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, they're uh, they're. There, in a story that I wrote Monday or Tuesday, actually, uh, there were issues. Uh, there were deep. There were significant issues that the city could not get around with Burns McDonald's financing proposal, and that's what killed them. Actually, I mean, they didn't even make the cut to the final two in the deliberation process. I want to come back to that, but anyway, right. go ahead. Um, and then AECOM, you know, it's not exactly clear right where we sit why they didn't get picked, although the city manager made comments during yesterday's press conference that, you know, he appreciated Edgemore's uh, low profile in this. You know, it's a procurement process. Um you know, you and I and other reporters typically don't pay real close attention to procurement. This was a billion-dollar deal, so it warranted the attention. Um, and I think, you know, the selection committee wasn't too keen on the fact that Burns McDonald and AECOM made, you know, public overtures and campaigns and rallies and accusations throughout this whole process. Edgemore just kind of stayed out of right, that, and I right. think, think he appreciated that. So let's come back. I, I want to come back to that, too. But let, let's, mm-hmm. let, I thought the, the Wednesday news conference with the members of the selection committee was fascinating, mm-hmm. particularly be, because of some of the things that the city manager, Troy Schulte, said during that process, because or that news conference, because it seemed to me that he sort of divided the, uh, the decision-making process into two important areas. One was financing, which I mm-hmm. want to talk about first, 
And then this idea of feel, you know, that he wasn't comfortable with some of the other uh, pushing and shoving from the two leading contenders. But let's talk about financing first. When this, when Burns and Mack first announced its proposal back in May, uh, its argument was this is a unique financing opportunity that it's never been tried anywhere else in the United States. And it relied significantly on a private portion of the financing. We were told $100 million. That figure may have moved a little bit. And then when AECOM uh, bid, they also had apparently some sort of private financing piece. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, uh, the city manager sort of said they were uh, impressed by Edgemore's offer to do it as 100% debt financing. That seems significant, very significant to me, because in essence, this, the selection committee said, and it's pretty obvious to me, by the way, that AECOM and Burns and Mac weren't willing to move off the private financing part, largely because it, the return was so good. Is that give us give us your own observations yeah. about how important that part of it was in the decision making process? Yeah, and I think you know they, they evaluated the proposals on qualifications and found that all four were qualified. So I think and the price fin- was pretty much equal. Right, Troy Schultz said normalized. It was going to be about seventy four million dollars a year right. for thirty years no matter which bidder you picked. Yeah, true. And so, you know, the financing, I think, was really pretty key in all of this. And so, um, you know, you're right. The Edgemore or the uh, the Burns and McDonald and the Acom plans contemplated between 50 and $115 million in private equity. We should well, explain what that means. That, in yeah. essence, means the companies would put cash into the project. Yeah, they're, they're, they're putting, they're put, you know, it's almost like a down payment on your house. Right. It's money out of your own pocket. It's up front. You, get, you take care of some of the costs right away. Right. The difference is both companies would get that money back plus. They, they would get that money back and, you know, anywhere between 7 and 12% rate of return or, you know, roughly equivalent to interest. Um, you, know, you usually talk about rate of return when you're talking private equity. Um, that's you know you compare that with debt financing, and in this space we think it's about 4.1 to 4.3 percent is what the interest rates could be on a on a, on on a, a private publicly? debt or a conduit debt. Right. Um, you know the spread between private and public and conduit is. Uh, you know, a few dozen basis points in each direction. Right. I guess, I'm trying to be, avoid being too wonky right, on this, right. but the idea is that, in essence, Burns and Mac and AECOM put together financing proposals in which they would get a 10%, roughly, yeah. 10% return on their investment. The other debt would go out at 4%. No wonder they wanted that. Yeah. And, and it's pretty clear the city said, no, maybe the better idea is to borrow all of it at 4%. Mm-hmm. And... AECOM and Burns and Mac seemed unwilling to move off of that, that it was a key part of their proposal that they would get that kind of return. Right. And as, as businesses, you can understand why they would want return on uh, a project if they think the, you know, the risk is worth the, uh, uh, the possible return that they could get. And, and to be clear, I mean, the, the 100% debt financing option from Edgemore was one of several options they apparently presented to the selection committee. Um, there is but, a but Troy specifically mentioned the 100% debt that, as that an they, attractive feature of yeah, what they and, liked from Edgemore. And that they, they were the only ones who said that they would be willing to do 100% debt financing. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, according to Troy and some others on the selection committee, they thought that, uh, you know, that that was an interesting opportunity to save costs, maximize value, however you want to describe right. it. And, and let's go back then to the thing you talked about a little bit earlier in terms of financing, and that's this idea that Burns and Mac particularly 
could never figure out how to structure the debt uh, uh, to make the city comfortable with the existing uh, debt that they have out at the airport. Yeah. That was another problem for Burns and Mack that apparently disqualified them two weeks ago. Yeah, conceivably. And there was some back and forth, uh, you know, letters and memos going back between the city and uh, uh, Burns and McDonald. But really, in the end, the city's bond attorneys really couldn't wrap their heads around this idea that uh, I think Burns and McDonald was trying to present to them, which was, uh, and again, I don't, you know, we don't want to get too wonky, but essentially it couldn't resolve how the city would treat its existing debt. And so, At the airport. Right. Uh, Which is about $250 million, $300 million, somewhere in there, maybe yeah. a little, little less than that. Right. I think 239 was the last yeah. figure I, I tracked down. But that's from, that's from when they renovated the uh, uh, three terminals back in 2002, or time, that, I think that was in the middle of the right. construction Those period. were voter-approved bonds, too, by the way. Right, by a pretty easy margin, I think 70 30%. Yeah. Um, so, so with that debt outstanding, there was a conflict between Burns and McDonald's financial proposal and how that existing debt would be treated. And so um, that killed them. I mean, that was, that was the thing that sunk them. And we started getting indications the day after the presentations that that was right. a problem, and that was eventually codified in a legal opinion. And, the, and their uh, apparent unwillingness to move off of that. I mean, we weren't in the room, so we don't know what deliberations might have taken place, but right. there's every indication that uh, the company was pretty stubborn about this mechanism and just could never get comfortable with what the city was asking for. Right. Well, and when you write your proposal in, you know, the first time, there's some limitation to how much you can really change it. Um, and that was a little bit of an issue, too, was the, you know, when they, they put out these questions after the initial proposal right. that the numbers came back significantly different and the proposal seemed to change a little bit. And that I think that made the uh, selection committee a bit uncomfortable as right. well. Although you would imagine that in the in the presentation on the 14th, that some members of the committee or the advisors would at some point have said, "Well, look, we're not comfortable with this bond structure. Can we work through this?" And again, based on conversations, sort of third-hand conversations yesterday, you get the idea that Burns and Mack thought that its idea was workable and didn't want to move off of it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think their view was, and they had their own legal opinion about it, that, you know, hey, this isn't a problem for your existing debt, but, you know, the city's advice is, yeah. um, was different. So before we move off the financing piece, where we now stand, Steve, is basically kind of a conventional airport project, 100% debt, if that's the way they go, issued by a public body. Mm-hmm. So you get the tax advantages of a public issue without the required vote of the people, which is there will be a vote, but not on the financing piece of it. It seems a pretty straightforward plan now. I mean, it's we'll build this, we'll borrow all the money, we'll use a public financing mechanism to do it, and there we go. Am I missing? I mean, obviously, we don't know. Edgemore, you're right, was very close to the vest about its right. plans, and we'll have to know more about it. But But it seems like they picked the most conventional approach. Right, I think that's that's certainly correct, and and you know it's 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 private debt issued through a public issuer, so it's still you can still call it a private financing or conduit financing, I guess would be the more appropriate term if that's what they. But you get the tax advantages. Yeah, you get you get tax. They they can be tax exempt bonds, whereas the other proposal, and I was 
fairly, I was pretty familiar with the Burns McDonald proposal. There was like this blend between taxable bonds and non-taxable bonds and all that stuff. And I think really in the end, maybe what simplified the process right. was a pretty straightforward and, approach as you described. And you had all the bridge loans and, you know, early and they could yeah. do it faster, although apparently there was no speed premium to any of the bidders. They're all going to get it done by like, 2021. That's apparently what they all which, told which the is, committee. So, so again, as I, you know, at the news conference yesterday, I kept trying to find out what was the tie-breaking vote? If the financing is roughly, or if the if the cost is roughly equal, the qualifications roughly equal, the finish date roughly equal, it had to be financing. And then the other part was feel, and and the and the city manager was very upfront about that. You know that he felt more comfortable with Edgemore than either of the two major, what we perceived to be the major bidders for this project. Right. And, you know, I think there's a couple different elements of that. One, which is a, a, a little less obvious, is if you if you read through Edgemore's proposal, it's very kind of open-ended. It's, you know... We'll do whatever you want. We'll do whatever you want. You know, these are our qualifications. This is how we think we can pay for it. Now, we'll work with you guys to come up with an airport that you want. If you look at the Burns and McDonald proposal, it was a bit more specific than that. It, you know, there was... Um, you know, clearly they're qualified, but, um, you know, they had these, they had these fairly specific financing approaches that they wanted to do, which included the equity thing. And if you look at the AECOM proposal, it was even more specific than that. We will do this for this amount for this annual payment. Right. Precise. And, you know, and I've always had this idea that that's a pretty tough commitment to make based on, you know, that's all based on today's market conditions. When financial close happens on this a year from now, if the voters approve it, you know, any number of things could influence what the interest rate's going to be, the credit worthiness. Right. But it also, and again, I think the city manager was being very clear on this yesterday. It also indicated a little bit of hubris on the part of AECOM and Burns and Mac to say, this is the way we want to do it. And it's the only way it can be done. Yeah, and you get the sense that Edgemore was sort of saying, "There's all kinds of ways to do this. Whatever you guys want to do, we'll do." Right? Am I? Did I misread that, or do you think that's no, that I, played a huge role in what the I, committee came I, up with? I think that's certainly a part of it. And I think the other thing that they mentioned quite clearly, and I was a little surprised that they mentioned this, um, but I think it's meaningful. As they said, "Look, we didn't really appreciate uh, some of the they called it noise, but you know, as, as you and I have covered for for, for weeks now, I mean." You know, Burns and McDonald was holding these rallies, and you know, it's not typically what you see in a procurement right. process. And they went through the whole thing with sort of locking in minority participants, and, right? And and uh, you know, then the mayor got into sort of leaks, and it, it just became very messy. And and it seems as if the committee held that against the two major bidders, if you you know that we yeah. thought were the major bidders anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I and I can see where they're coming from. If you're six people trying to make a decision, and you're hearing all this and you feel like you're sort of being influenced or communicated to through the press, um, you can cert- you, I guess you could appreciate that they yeah. may not think that that, uh, think too highly You know, of that the argument approach. I made yesterday, it reminds me, I've covered dozens of political election primaries in the past, and sometimes you'll get a three-candidate field in which the two major candidates beat the living crap out of one another, and voters go, I don't want either of you, then I'll go to the third option. That may have played a role here to a degree. Right, right, and um, you know, and and I think there may also be an element, um, and this is just me trying to read the tea leaves. I'm not uh, committing anybody to anything, but I think part of the Edgemore pick too was it was the safest pick, 
um, there was a lot of acrimony between Burns and McDonald right. and AECOM. Um, you know, AECOM had accused <coughs> Burns and McDonald of, you know, having an opportunity given to them by the city to revamp their proposal after the after it was initially presented. And then you had Burns and McDonald saying that there were these conflicts of interest. And maybe, <coughs> I think maybe they picked, maybe Edgemore was safe in terms of, uh, in terms of insulating them from possible litigation. Now, that may still happen. It may not. We don't know. We don't know who the parties right. would be. But I think Or that, on what basis litigation would be filed. Right. I think that Particularly was, based on this outcome. Had it been the other, you know, had it had Burns and Mac one or AECOM, there might have been a cause. But yeah, if it was Burns harder and, to see here. If it was Burns and McDonald, you can see a straight line argument from AECOM that says they got the city gave them an opportunity to change their proposal and it was not fair. And that could result in some sort of... Uh, legal fight or, or right. something, but let's let's talk briefly about the politics of all of this from sure. your point of view. A lot of people were saying yesterday, "Boy, this was a big defeat for Mayor Sly James," and he was clearly out front on the Burns and Mac plan early on. He did seem to try and back away from it a little bit as the process continued, at least publicly. We mm -hmm. don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but it's hard to see this as anything but a defeat at some level for him. I think so. I think that's... I mean, he'll argue, well, we got the process going and we're closer to an airport now and we've changed the conversation. But he was all in for Burns and Mac. He was at the news conference the day it was announced. He sat in the editorial board May 11th, uh, you know, as a chief proponent of the Burns and Mac plan. Yeah, I think it's... I think, uh, I think it would be tough to argue that he didn't... <laughs> that he would have preferred Burns and McDonald. I mean, you know, he may have been more familiar with them. You know, there may be other considerations. But, yeah, I think um, I think clearly it didn't look good for him. And I think, you know, he wasn't there yesterday. But, um, yeah, I think clearly it's not – it's certainly – it would be tough to claim as a political victory. Now, there, he could claim that if the voters pass this thing in November, he said, you know, we, we moved right. the conversation – uh, from the if we need an airport to just how and who does it right and right. he he made to, and, and, and that and that may be a valid argument frankly right. but 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 it was clear in May that he was all in for one proposer to the exclusion of even putting it up for bid I mean they I went back and looked at the at the announcement they wanted the MOU decided by the early part of June with Burns and Mac yeah. none of this would have happened had that time frame been followed and he was clearly behind that at some point. And I'm pretty confident that for a period of time after that, he was very supportive of the Burns McDonald, uh, Burns McDonald plan, and I think was 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 hoping that that would be the outcome. Now, do we have any sense that the city council? We sit here on Thursday morning. Uh, every indication I got yesterday was that there would not be a final vote today. That could change uh, because it may be that the council wants to get this off the decks. Do we have any sense of that at all? What what? What, whether there's enough significant pushback against this choice to gum up the works to any great degree? I don't know. And, you know, today could, you know, things, things change on this every hour, as you <laughs> and I both know. Um, my impression was from council members that they had significant questions about this proposal. I think there were questions about local minority contracting and right. participation. As I there think. would have been for any bidder, by the way. Right. But this more than others, because I think the, the Burns and Mack and AECOM understood how important that was at some right. level. And you get the idea that Edgemore was sort of saying, we'll do whatever you want. Right. So I think they've got to drill down on some um, – I think they need to drill down on – 
a lot of questions with this proposal. Uh, so that could take that could take some time before they reach a consensus. I don't get a sense at all that there is consensus among the broader council around this recommendation. I'm not sure that there would have been consensus with any of them, frankly. Right. Um, but this one's a different element because less is known about uh, Edge more than 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 Burns and McDonald or AECOM. Right. Although. My, my impression yesterday was that if the council decides it doesn't like this recommendation, it really does set back the process by months because, in essence, you might have to rebid it. You would have to vote this down. There is, you know, Quentin Lucas and others were sort of saying, well, there's got to be a choice, too. But it doesn't seem as if there's a mechanism to go with choice, too, whoever that was. We assume it's AECOM. Uh, that you would have to vote down Edgemore and then maybe reopen the bidding process, get a new selection committee. I mean, it would yeah. it would be pretty messy if they t- if they said now in essence, no, we want, we don't go don't want to go with this uh, proposal. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some precedent where if you can't reach a deal with one proposer, you could go to the next one, which would be yeah. presumably AECOM. Um, and and it is possible to have an election without a proposal in hand, but I would imagine that doesn't fare well for the chances. Well, you and yeah, right. You anticipated my next question, which is, what does all of this do for the vote in November, in your view? That that's hard to say. I mean, it's it's really difficult in this um, in this environment to really know where the public is on this. I mean. If you listen to the business types, the Chamber of Commerce folks, you know, sort of the, um, you know, the, the business, political, civic class, they'll, they'll almost unanimously tell you that, you know, people are really coming on board with the airport. People are really uh, warming up to this idea, and we think this thing can pass in November. But they were kind of saying the same thing about a year ago, and then the polling came back, and it you know, showed that the broader public was not right. convinced. It's hard to know how much that's changed, and it's hard to know how Edgemore influences public opinion on this because, you know, you look through Edgemore's proposal, and it's different in a lot of ways from the other ones. It's a lot of text. It's charts and diagrams. You don't have the, you know, the pretty and flashy renderings yeah. of this is what this is going to look like. And you had that with A.E. Common, Burns McDonald, and arguably in a campaign – You'd want the public to sort of get a view of what they're yeah, voting Yeah, they on. have people have to get a little bit excited about this. It right. isn't just sort of a, you know, a chart-based decision for, right. for that kind of project. And we get into questions of, you know, who's going to fund the campaign. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, Burns McDonald would have been ready to plunk down some money for a campaign. I think ACOM probably would have too. I don't know. I mean, you presume it's in Edgemore's best interest to do the same, but we don't know that yet. Right. Uh, I think we'll find out some more information about Edgemore tomorrow. Um, They've got a news conference, I think, on Friday, correct? That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, I haven't gotten anything official on that, but yeah. I think that's their plan. And, and, and frankly, I think they do need to make, you know, now that they've sort of emerged from this process, it's probably to their best interest to... Without question. Be Come a, forward. Have a little bit more of a profile uh, and, 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 and talk a little bit more about what it's planning on yeah. doing. The but, good news for the yeah. campaign, if, you're, if you support the airport project, is the good news is it doesn't seem as if there's a lot of organized, well-funded opposition. There may be general opposition, but there won't be a campaign committee one assumes that'll have millions of dollars to make an argument on the other side. I think the Citizens for Responsible Government will try and do what they do. but They, they probably will. Um, but you do get the sense that everyone else may fall in line. The chamber, you know, uh, labor, 
uh, other interest groups, you know, civic council, uh, uh, businesses, and maybe to some degree, you know, Burns and Mac may come forward. I mean, you, so. Yeah. But, but when you add up those numbers of, you know, kind of all those groups you talk about, that's not a huge number. I mean, I think this thing really needs to go to the, uh, or I think the decision really comes down to the broader public and how comfortable they feel yes. with this. And, and that's always the tough sell with the airport because the, you know, the citizen satisfaction survey that the city does every year, it's still showing that the public is about 70% appreciative of the current airport. You also have this thought that, you know, about a fifth of Kansas City, Missouri voters even use the airport with any kind of regularity. So there's some question about, you know, if there's 80% of these uh, uh, folks out there who aren't using the airport and they may think to themselves, even if they're convinced that the taxpayer uh, uh, is, not, is not on the hook for this, they may think, why, why is all this going on? We, you know, the right, one time the I key, used the airport three years ago, it was fine. Yeah, and the, but the key question is, of those 80%, how many will vote? Right. I mean, it may be that it makes no difference to me. Why should I? It's November. It's cold. Maybe it's, it's raining that election, day. It's an odd yeah. year deal. Nothing else is on the ballot. Why do I care one way or the other? I just won't vote. I mean, I do get the sense that people supporting the airport are planning on that to some degree, that the activists would get out and you could identify your your votes, but that those who might be opposed would be at least lukewarm enough to not cast any ballots that, at that, all. And that's certainly possible. And that may be the only hope that's left for them. Yeah, but I mean, the airport in some ways is sort of, it's almost, it's not quite on this level. It's not like a stadium vote in, in, in that respect, but it, but the airport facilities do evoke a certain, um, I don't know how to, how to say this, you know, nostalgia may or may not be the right word, but people have a connection with the airport like they do yeah. with the stadiums, and, and that may get people out to vote regardless of whether they support it or not. I would, I would say this. If you had told me a year ago that an $800 million property tax increase-based geo bond would pass at 57%, but that the airport bond yeah. might struggle to get to 50, I would have said, you're crazy. It seems like airport bonds are 10 times easier to pass than a property tax increase geo bond, but maybe the opposite is the phenomenon we're looking at. Well, we're living in interesting times. <laughs> I, you know, local elections are notoriously hard to predict. I mean, people always ask me. But do you, you know, think, I, as a sort of a final question, do you think all the, all the uh, maelstrom of the summer will affect the vote? So I got the sense yesterday people were saying, no, we think that once we're on the other side of the crest of this wave that we should be okay, particularly because Edgemore was the choice. So you don't have AECOM and Burns and Max sniping at each other Yeah, they're, they're certainly all the way up to Election Day. You, you could argue that there's less of a cloud. You know, I mean, if there, you could argue that if Burns and McDonald was picked, there might be some suspicion of, you know, this thing was really wired for that right. company. All, and all we distrust City beginning. Hall and— and then you got AECOM, you know, I think there would have been a lot of sniping at them. And AECOM, you know, if you look through their track record, I mean, clearly they're a large and effective company, but they've had a lot of issues in other cities with uh, contracting, construction, things. Right. That, you know, they've also had labor issues. Um, so I think there would have been some unrest in that respect. So, you know, Edgemore, you know, getting back to what I was saying earlier, they may have just been the safest pick. Right. And this. I don't get, I, just to wrap up. I, I didn't get many calls yesterday from people saying, God, Edgemore is a crap company and we hate them. And they're, you know, you did, boy, on the other two bidders, there was a lot of whispering over the fence, but not, right. not for this bidder at all. No, not until the last minute, which may yeah. have been sort of happy to kill, <laughs> yeah, a little desperate. kill their prospects. All right, Steve Ockrott with the Star, thanks so much. We'll may, uh, not may, we will update this, of course, yep. over the next couple <laughs> of weeks as we get closer to Election Day. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board. Thanks so much for listening. You've been on Beatback.